Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. I want you to think right now with me. It's good, you should always think, okay? But I want you to think with me about something specific right now. Try to think in your life, what is something in your life that is like one of the most rewarding things, most enjoyable, most rewarding things, besides watching the Patriots in the Super Bowl? Because I know that's kind of the forefront of all your minds. No, beyond that, something that's the most enjoyable and most rewarding thing in your life. Okay? Now, I also want you to think of something that can be the most frustrating and difficult thing in your life. Okay? Think of that. And I want to suggest to you today, I mean, you, I don't know what you thought of, but I want to suggest to you today that it is our relationships with other people that are both the most enjoyable and rewarding and the most frustrating and difficult. Um, and so today in Colossians, as we come down to the, the end of Colossians, we're going to look at Paul's example how he looked at people, how he talked about people, what his heart was toward people. And I think that'll help us to adjust our perspective on our relationships. Because typically in our relationships, when they are pleasing to us, they are what? Enjoyable and rewarding. And when they aren't pleasing to us, they are frustrating and difficult. But Paul, and I think all of us should follow his example, had a different perspective on this, a different perspective on relationships that moves it away from is this pleasing to me or to you to a much higher view of things. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, I thank you as we've worshipped today how great you are. And Lord, I do thank you for every person here today and, and what you've done in their lives, what you're doing, things they don't even know, Lord. And maybe some awesome things they do know. Uh, we need you today, Father. We need you for all sorts of things that are going on in our lives. And I pray as we, we look to your word today that your spirit would speak to us, show each of us what we need to know, and that we would end up in a place where we are honoring and glorifying you, Father, and remind us that the greatest thing that could ever happen in our lives is when you are the most greatly glorified. And so I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to Colossians. In Colossians chapter 1, uh, we saw that when we came to Jesus, you know, we came to Jesus because we knew we needed a Savior. But when we came to Jesus, uh, and after we, we, uh, as we grew in it, we started to understand that we got much more than we realized, and much greater than we expected. Right? We learned all these things that were true because of our relationship with Jesus. Like, wow, we keep learning things more and more. We, we get more than we realized and much greater than we expected. And so him we preach. Right? We got some, he's the one we need to tell people about because you're going to find all that you need in him. Everything that you need. Then in chapter 2, we saw that Paul immediately went to warning the, the Colossians that don't get sidetracked from this. Listen, it's in Jesus that you find everything that you need and everything works outward from there. Don't let something else get in the way there and you get sidetracked from that. 
It was a really big deal to Paul. He was very concerned about that. And then last week in chapter 3, we saw how that we have, when we came to Jesus, we entered into this relationship with him where we were inseparably united with Jesus, right? He, he moved in. It's so much so that in some spiritual, sort of mysterious way, his death, we were united with him in his death, and, and we know that dead people aren't controlled by the power of sin, so we are now able to no longer be controlled by that. We learned that we are also united in his resurrection, in his new life. And we talked about this idea of being like a, a furnace or a boiler before we came to Christ with no flame, no fuel, no flame. But when we came to Jesus, whoop, the, the flame came. And I mean, how many of you have ever had a, your furnace or your boiler go out? And you try to you restart it and hit the reset, and you listen, it goes, shh, and then goes, whoop, I got life again, heat again, right? But see, that's what Jesus did in us when we came to Christ. That whoomph happened. And it's never going out. Okay? And so we have that new life. And he talks about, even in the eternity future, when he returns for us, that we are going to share in his glory because we are inseparably united with him. And that brings us here to chapter 4. The Apostle Paul begins chapter 4 by talking about um, how we interact with people. First, he, he said, pray for me that I would be faithful in my witnessing. Isn't that something to think that Paul had to ask people to help him, to pray for him, to be faithful? Wouldn't you think Paul would just be faithful? It's not a trick question. I know you guys think I'm not. Don't you think Paul, well, Paul, he's just faithful, right? He witnesses. But he says, no, no, please pray for me that I would speak as I ought to. And then he talks to his readers about how they need to interact with the world around them, okay, and how they need to talk with them. And we're actually studying that portion of Scripture on Wednesday nights in our Evangelism for the Tongue-Tied class. But where I want to pick up today is when Paul comes to the end of his letter and he begins talking to people and about people, personal relationships that he had. Uh, he, he talks uh, specifically talks about 10 people. He actually mentions 11, but talks about 10 of them. And um, then he talks about two groups of people as well. And so let's read through this and see if we can... Um, learn some things today that will help us have the right view of relationships. Starting in verse number 7, we're on page 1355 in the Bible that's under the chairs there. It says, Tychicus, and that's always a hard one to know how to say it, you know, Tychicus, Tychicus, what do you think they called him for short? Tick, what a nickname. <laughs> Tychicus, a beloved brother, fellow minister, and fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all the news about me. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother. And by the way, we learned about Onesimus in um, uh, the book of Philemon, that Onesimus was actually an escaped slave who had escaped and ran into the Apostle Paul, came to Christ and discovered that his former master, Paul, knew him and that he was a Christian. Paul had sent Onesimus back to him. And Philemon doesn't have him be a slave anymore, but lets him minister with Paul. It's an interesting backstory there. But with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will make known to you all things which are happening here. 
Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. With Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Welcome Mark. And Jesus, who is called Justice. These, by the way, um, Jesus was a very common name in the New Testament times among the Jews. It's the same name that we would call Joshua. This is from the same Hebrew uh, word. And, but it's interesting that after Jesus, the Christ, came, I think, well, what do we see here? His real name is Jesus, but what do they call him? Justice. They kind of start reserving that name for the Lord. Jesus, who is called Justice. These are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are of the circumcision. And by that means who were Jewish. These were Jewish people who had come to faith in Christ. He says, so these are the only ones with me who are of a Jewish background. He says, they have proved to be a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and Nymphus and the church that is in his house. The idea of the church meeting in the house. Now when this epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. This salutation by my own hand, Paul, remember my chains, grace be with you, amen. And so in verse 18, Paul, most of these letters would have been written by someone who was, you know, you know anybody with good handwriting? Yeah, they got those people to write <laughs> letters, okay? Um, and so they would do it, and Paul probably would have dictated that. But it, several of his letters, he closes those letters and writes with his own handwriting, okay? And uh, that is to help, I think, to guarantee to these people, this is authentic. This was from Paul, okay? And so that's how he ends this here. Now, let's look at Paul's description of these people, how he talks about them. Let's go back up to verse 7. Tychicus, a beloved brother. First of all, Paul, very much aware and alert to we are related in Jesus, aren't we? You know, when I first came to Christ, uh, the church I was in, man, it was brother this and sister that, right? Sister Cindy and brother Henry, right? That's the way they talked a lot. And, and uh, it really, you know, drove into me that, wow, we are family. And so Paul saw these people, and he uses this terminology more than once in this passage. He saw people very much as my family. You are family to me. And, and let's just stop and think about this a minute. Um, there is a, a sense... Let me back up. As Christians, we oftentimes emphasize family, a husband, wife, mother, father, children, right? And that's good and right. God gives instructions about that, and it's very important. But there is a sense in which the relationship that we as believers in Jesus have that is higher than that. Because when this life ends, the family, earthly family relationship ends but your relationship and my relationship doesn't. 
Now, how awesome when your earthly family is also your spiritual family, see? And so that continues on out into eternity with you. But so Paul, seeing him as a brother, uh, Jesus, you remember, they came to Jesus one time, he's teaching a house and it's very, very full. And they came to him and said, hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers want to talk to you. And Jesus said, well, who is my mother and who is my brother? And he looks around these people, he said, isn't those who do the will of God? My mothers and my brothers, his family. See, it's this high relationship that you and I have with each other. And that doesn't lower the other one. It's just, this is higher. All right, a beloved brother. He loved him, this sense of beloved. When you talk about your beloved, it's somebody who's just so special to you. He says he's a faithful minister. Minister being the idea of someone who serves in practical ways. And so he says Tychicus has been very faithful to just to, to serve in ways that are very practical. He just, he keeps after it and takes care of me. And fellow servant. All right, so Paul, yes, I am serving the Lord. Guess what? Tychicus is also serving the Lord. We're in this together. We're serving Christ together. And then he says, uh, down, let's jump down to verse 9, Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother. Both of those, those concepts, again, family and then faithful. He's, he's there. He, he lives this out, and he's beloved to me as well. Then verse 10, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner. So here's one who's actually in prison with him. Um, you know, there are some of you here today that I, and I, I don't have anybody specific in mind, but I just know from past experience and having thought about it. There are some of us here today that if you and I sat down together and we started reminiscing about the things we have been through together, we are going to have a bond, right? Because we went through those hard things together and the Lord sustained us and brought us through it and taught us and grew us, okay? And this is, he's, he's in prison with Paul. And so Paul looks at him and values him in that way. He's going to have that kind of relationship that I just talked about. Verse 11, justice. And, and, and he talks and describes all these as my only fellow workers. Fellow workers for the kingdom of God. So he views all these people that he's talking about as being doing what he's doing. They're in the same thing with me. I am a worker for the kingdom of God. They are workers for the kingdom of God. And I would say to you that if you know Jesus Christ, you are a worker for the kingdom of God, whether you're paying attention to it or not. You're either doing a good job and faithfully working or you're not. Or hopefully you're on the way, right? We're all on the way. But you get the sense what he's trying to say? Every believer that we know, I'm a, I'm a worker in the kingdom of God and so are you. I'm in this place doing it. You're in that place doing it. But we are in it together. And then he talks about them. They have been a comfort to me. And that's sort of what I was trying to explain to you a little bit earlier, the fact that seeing you somehow rather, you are here. That means that you are trying to pursue your relationship with the Lord. That means you probably see yourself as a, a worker in the kingdom of God. And maybe you don't know where you fit with that, but you see that. And you are a comfort to me. And uh, verse 13, he talks about Epaphras, Epaphras having this great zeal for you. Epaphras, yeah, I see him. He, he cares about you. He loves you. He prays for you. Luke is the beloved physician. And this is the, where we learn that Luke was a doctor. But he's not just a doctor. He is what? Beloved. Someone that Paul just has this love relationship with. And again, verse 15, the brethren. Okay, all the family. This is where he talks about the church. And, and reading the letters to each other and doing that kind of thing. So the Apostle Paul, this is how he viewed people. 
This is how he viewed the people in his life. Um, and there's one, one uh, reference here that I think helps us to start to see what this is all about. Look in verse 12 there. He says, Epaphras, who is one of you, he's just from Colossae or the Laodicean area, Epaphras is one of you, a bond servant of Christ. A bond servant of Christ. Now, this is significant, I think, because first of all, what it means, a bond servant, it was a slave. And it's not slave like we think of American slavery, which is a horrendous thing. Okay? It was more like an indentured slave. But nonetheless, the person owned your labor. You had to work for them. Okay? And, but he says, that's what we are with Christ. Our lives belong to Christ. We do work for Christ. So that's how he terms Epaphras. Paul refers to himself as a bondservant five times in his letters. And, and James, or he calls Timothy a bondservant. James calls himself a bondservant. Peter calls himself a bondservant. Jude calls himself a bondservant. So this seems to be an understanding that we who know Christ are bondservants. We are willing slaves of his. We serve him. And so what we're talking about here is that the one thing that all of us have in common with here, I mean, some of us, we have all sorts of things in common, right? There's me and Dave and Rich and Tim and, and right? We have some things in Tom, <laughs> some common. Uh, we have other things in common, right? Maybe work, maybe family situations. We have lots of things in common. But at the bedrock of all that, we are bondservants of Christ. We are related to each other because we are related to him. And this changes our perspective. I mean, this idea that, okay, yeah, we have a spiritual relationship. And you go, well, duh, I think we knew that before we walked in here today. But I want you to say is that we know lots of things that somehow or other don't seem to take root in our lives that don't, you know, influence our thinking or our choices. And so we need to, we really want to grow in this. And I want you to see that the way we want to look at each other should be affected, deeply affected, profoundly affected by our relationship with Christ. The Apostle Paul talks about this in his second letter to the Corinthians. He, he talks about what Christ has done for us, how he's changed us, the life that he's given us. And, and then in verse 16, he says this. He says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Now, let's just stop right there. The idea, just natural relationships that we have on earth, right? We have natural relationships with all kinds of people based on all kinds of things. He says, but you know what? Because of what God has done in our lives, that's not how we look at it anymore. Now we look at it differently. We no longer just look according to the flesh, what's natural. We're going to look at this from a supernatural perspective. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. So it's no longer just about Jesus out there. Oh yeah, I know about Jesus. It's Jesus what? Intertwined with me. That's what we discover. This happened to us. And so this changes everything, and it changes very pointedly how we look at each other. Now, 
So I want you to let's just think as we consider how Paul looks at people, and we could have gone through in you know, multiple places in the New Testament to see this, but Paul saw every human relationship through the lens of his relationship with Christ. Every human relationship. Because think about this. If I am now inseparably united with Jesus, we are intertwined. That means anybody I have a relationship with, Jesus is what? Part of that. He's changed me. And it changes how I view, how I should view the people around me. And so three different groups here. First one is those who shared his relationship with Christ. Okay? They were inseparably intertwined with Jesus. He's inseparably united with Jesus. And so we're together as well in that mix. Then those who needed to adjust their relationship with Christ. We see that uh, Paul talking to people who, who knew Christ in the New Testament and said, oh man, no, it's not about works. That isn't how you have a relationship. It's not about believing. This is, don't get sight. I mean, so he's talking to people challenging. And by the way, I would say to you that if you know Jesus today, we're included in both of those lists. Because we're all, right, have a relationship, but we're all needing adjustment. <laughs> Sometimes we need big adjustments. But so we're all, so he, he's, he's intertwined. He sees that. Uh, it's through the lens of his relationship with Christ. But there's one more, and that is those who need a relationship with Christ. And we're going to talk more about that one in a little bit. But here's the thought I really want you to, to take into your heart and mind today and, and let it begin to percolate and, and change you. We need to understand that every relationship in our lives is now inseparably connected with our relationship with Jesus. Every human relationship you have, you're inseparably connected with Jesus, and now every human relationship you have is connected to your relationship with Jesus. Okay? Important to understand that. Now, let me just look here quickly, so I don't want to forget something. That's right. All right. And so what this means is this, that our relationships are no longer based upon things that are just in this life. Our, our relationships are no longer based on race. Our relationships are no longer based upon our socioeconomic status. Our relationships are no longer based on our careers. Our, our, our relationships are no longer based upon our shared interest, or even our family relationships. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have that. That is an aspect of our relationship. But before we came to Christ, the very basis of our relationship, let's say, say Tim here, loves baseball, right? And we talk about baseball. I talk about when I was a catcher, and, and, and we have that. that that's, that's cool and it's fun. But if he didn't know Christ and I didn't know Christ, that would be the basis for our relationship. That's pretty shallow, isn't it? Even the deepest things aren't the same as what we have in Jesus. And so the idea is that based on that, now we still have the same interest in baseball, but we have something that is much more foundational, goes much deeper. And we have some things, specific things that we like to talk about, don't we, Tim, related to that. And see, so our relationships are no longer based on those kinds of things. Uh, they are based, again, on this shared relationship with Christ. And so uh, understand that, let, let's just review it. If when we come to Christ, we are inseparably united with Jesus. I'm inseparably united with Jesus. You're inseparably united with Jesus. That means we're both what? Somehow or rather, in some way, 
inseparably united with each other. Now, so I talked earlier with you about, well, I didn't do that yet. Um, this is why Jesus can say, inasmuch as you did it unto the one of the least of these, you did it unto me. Because Jesus is connected there. Right? This is why, and Kel, you're going to like this, this is why in 1997 when, when 11 of us went to Brazil and, and went down there to, to, for a missions trip and we got there and the very first day we are in this big kind of fellowship area and they're cooking for us and, and we can't even talk to each other. They spoke Portuguese and sport. They spoke Portuguese and we spoke English and we didn't know. But I got to tell you, there was something amazing that went on there that day. We knew. We were connected. We were connected to Christ. And there was this almost a palpable sense about that, about that connection. Uh, this is why you can go th uh, through your day and run into someone and meet someone and be around someone and start to think, that person, they haven't said anything about Christ, but you get the sense that I think that person might be a believer. And then you find out what? They are. How did that happen? See, there is this spiritual connection that is going on here. Um, this is why I feel such a, an encouragement and a comfort when I see you. When you come in the door and I see you, or I see you across the way, and maybe I get to wave at you, or I don't, or I get to... But it's... it's there is this connection that we have that, is, that the world doesn't have. That the world can have great friendships, and the world, can, but it isn't the same, folks. It isn't this this flame that's shared within us. This flame of the life of Christ. That's what we have, and and so it is that there's something about being together. Something about that that's good and special. And the only way we're going to experience that is when we start to understand it and remember it and act upon it. And I want you to say that this whole idea, being together, that this is one of those things where we get a glimpse on earth of what it's going to be like in heaven. Now think about this. Apostle Paul talking to the Thessalonians, he says this to them, talking about the return of Christ. He says, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. What's the next three words? together with them in the, the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be together with them with the Lord. Together. There's something about that. Now, how many of you today would say, I am definitely an extrovert. When I got the opportunity, I want to be with people and hang with them. Okay, and you just you know, read that and said, cool, that's heaven. How many of you say, I'm an introvert, I like people, but I'm fine being without them for long periods of time? Okay, you said, heaven? <laughs> well, I think we can trust God on this one, right? That, that it, it won't be a problem for us, okay? I think the extroverts, God may say to them, hey, listen, we're going to take a thousand years and I want you to go hang out on that planet and just ponder things for a while. <laughs> and the introvert said, no, no, I'm going to have you guys hang out because I want you... I don't know, but you get what I'm saying? It's, it, God knows what he's doing. And there's something about this. I'm 
inseparably united with Jesus forever. You're inseparably united for Jesus together forever. And so that means we're somehow rather inseparably united with each other, and it's going to be forever, and it's going to be a good thing. It's going to be an awesome thing. The Apostle Paul, a little bit earlier in the same letter to the Thessalonians, says to them, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. We, yes, you know, we're going to be in heaven, and we think all those things about heaven. Uh, we had a great conversation at our life group on, on Thursday night talking about heaven, and, and we have someone in our group who loves Disney, loves to go to Disney. And, and somebody said, well, you know, heaven's better than Disney. And all of a sudden, this person went, oh. <laughs> okay? Uh, but so this idea is we're going to be there together with the Lord. And if that's the truth about what it's going to be like forever, maybe we ought to start changing our thinking and our actions and our attitudes now and experience more of that here. And that is part of God's plan for us. And so, so let's remember, Paul saw every human relationship through the lens of his relationship with Christ. Those who shared his relationship, those who needed to adjust their relationship, and those who needed a relationship with him. Okay? All of these people. So let's focus in now on that last one. Because how is it that we're inseparably united with those who need a relationship with Christ? Well... We're connected with people who don't know Jesus because we are inseparably connected with the one who loved them and gave his life for them. That's who lives in you. That is who you are inseparably united with. The one who loved the world, loved that man, loved that woman, loved that boy, loved that girl so much that he gave his life for them. And you're inseparably connected with him. So what is that? Do. We are inseparably connected with them. We need to connect with them. Or excuse me, we are not inseparably connected with them. That's why I left that word out. Because if they don't come to Christ, we won't be connected with them forever. But we do have a connection nonetheless because the one who is in our lives and who has changed us loves them, wants them to be saved, and has entrusted us with the gospel to make that happen, to be a part of how he makes that so I think it's, that it's crucial that we start understanding these things and, and live them out more and more. Look and see what the Apostle Paul, let's go back and look at our text here. I want you to see what Paul, Paul wants for these people and what he wants in his relationship with them. Um, verse 7, the last phrase, he says, Tickets will tell you all the news about me. I want you to know what's happening here and what's going on with me. Why? Because we are connected, okay? Uh, verse 8, I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that he may know your circumstances. We need to know what's going on with you, okay? Why? Because we are what? Connected to each other. And, and, and comfort your hearts. That's Paul's desire for them, that he, they would comfort their hearts. Uh, again, make known all things. Uh, welcome him in verse number 10. Verse 17, he's saying, hey, I want you to fulfill the ministry that God has given you. And then verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you always. What's he doing? Laboring fervently for you in prayer that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. What do you really want? 
for the people who you have a relationship with? What do you really want for them? You know, we pray for people for their health, don't we? Do we want people to have good health? Sure, we'd love to have people have good health. Do we want them to be well off financially? Yeah. Do we want them to get along with each other and their family to stay together? Yeah. On and on these things go. But what I want you to see something is when we start understanding who we are in Christ, that we are united with Him, and we're together in that. And so it's no longer about what I want for me. It's no longer even about anything of this life that I want for you. It is about I want you to fulfill everything God has for you to be and do. And I want to see that I can want nothing greater for you. And so it is that Paul, when he prayed, we see in, the, in chapter 1, he, 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 he talks about that very same kind of prayer and actually elaborates on it. And, and he's praying for people and these things. I want you to see that um, Paul didn't pray for people's physical comfort. He didn't pray that they would have no problems. He prayed that they would become the people that God had called them to be in the middle of their problems. And if God was going to do that by taking their problems away, great. If he does it by not taking away their problems, great. And I tell you, we got to change the way we look at this, folks. Because so many of our prayers are about, God, help me to feel good. Right? Because I want all these things to happen for me. And I need to feel good. And God says, sorry, I'm not interested in trying to make you feel good. I'm, I'm working at making you good. See the difference? And so it's nothing wrong with asking God, would, this, would you take this problem away from me? I can think of two people in the Bible who did that. The Apostle Paul being one of them, would you take this problem away from me? And God said, no, i got something else to do here. And one other person, the Lord Jesus himself, Father, could you take this away from me? And the answer was what? No, because we're doing something great. And so that's what we ought to want for each other. And I guarantee you, when you start wanting that for each other, it'll start to change how you pray for each other. Probably start changing the fact that you'll pray more for each other. And, and, and it's going to change then how we interact, and it's going to change what we want. And I tell you what, it'll change. It'll change when we as a church come to, to points in our, 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 the life of our church and decisions have to be made. And, and if trying to figure out, it's going to change how we make those decisions. It's not going to be anymore. Well, what would, do I want? Except that I want whatever God wants. And let's, let's work together to figure that out. Changes everything. And so when we begin to view each other this way, it, it adds, I think, a, a depth of understanding and new insights to this multifaceted command that Jesus gave us when he told us that this is what we're supposed to do, he said, as I have loved you, you also love one another. We are inseparably united. And so, how do I love you now like Jesus loves me? How do we love the people who don't know him yet? What do we do? And so this thought again, with just a little, little extension to it, we need to understand that every relationship in our lives is now inseparably 
connected with our relationship with Jesus, and then what? Live that way. Well, what does that mean? Well, you may already have some things that are real clear in your mind what that's going to mean in your life. If not, ask the Lord. Say, Lord, teach me. Grow me. Help me to see. God will be faithful and answer that prayer. I promise you. And so today what I want to do is end with some statements that we need to internalize. And then I'm going to ask you, after I go through them with you, to read them out, speak them out loud with me here today. Okay? And so it's this. As a believer in Jesus, I am inseparably united with him, both now and for all eternity. I am finding that my relationship with Jesus is more than I realize, better than I expected. And Jesus is the ultimate source of everything that is good, meaningful, and purposeful in my life. And looking for these things anywhere else is a sidetrack. And then a decision. I choose today and every day to remember that all of my life is about Jesus and to cooperate with him in his eternal purposes for me. This is the message of Colossians. But what does it mean for us out of chapter 4? us together. As believers in Jesus, we are inseparably united with him and each other. Our shared destiny is to become like him, to be with him and to be with each other for all eternity. As we meet with each other, serve each other and love each other, we also meet Jesus, serve Jesus and love Jesus. We are Jesus' church, his body at work in our world, and then a decision. We choose today and every day to make available everything we are and all that we have to live together in a way that shows Jesus and that reaches those who need to know Jesus. All right, so let's stand together. Stand again. Let's read these out loud together. Okay, let's talk about our own individual uh, experience here in the Lord, and then we will talk about us together. Here we go. Let's read. As a believer in Jesus, I am inseparably united with him both now and for all eternity. I am finding that my relationship with Jesus is more than I realized and better than I expected. Jesus is the ultimate source of everything that is good, meaningful, and purposeful in my life. And looking for these things anywhere else is a sidetrack. I choose today and every day to remember that all of my life is about Jesus and to cooperate with him in his eternal purposes for me. Good. And now let's think about it. And Rachel, I think about it. This is us together. Go on to the next one. As believers in Jesus, we are inseparably united with him and each other. Our shared destiny is to become like him, to be with him, and to be with each other for all eternity. As we meet with each other, serve each other, and love each other, we also meet Jesus, serve Jesus, and love Jesus. We are Jesus' church, his body at work in our world. We choose today and every day to make available everything we are and all that we have to live together in a way that shows Jesus and that reaches those who need to know Jesus. Father, thank you 
for this message from your word, the letter that you gave us from Paul to the Colossians and all the riches that are there about who your son is and what it means in our lives. And I pray, Father, that these things that we just read, that we will more and more internalize these things and, and more and more let them guide our thinking and our, our actions and our attitudes, Father that we might be this amazing body of Christ that the world can look at and say, that has to be God. There's no other explanation. You are worthy of this, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.